Thanks to the wonderful folks at Anchor.fm. Welcome, listeners, to Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zania as he reads from past audiobooks and other spoken word projects. You writers may also be given the chance to have your newly written material, fiction or nonfiction, read to an audience. This show will get the words out. And now, here's the host of Tom Reads Your Story, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And as always, thank you, Mr. Announcer, for that lovely introduction. Welcome to you voice actors, writers of all kinds, and audiobook listeners. We are celebrating the spoken word, and this is Tom Reads Your Story. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. So, today, we got a good show today. And I've said before, uh, you know, it's it's probably going to be a 30-minute show. This time, <laughs> I think I'm right. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think it's going to be around 30 minutes or maybe even a little bit over. Uh, but you don't mind that, do you? I hope not, because uh, we got some good things today. Today, and I'm looking at my uh, spreadsheet here. That's what I do is I put everything on a spreadsheet so I don't lose my place. And um, we got a couple of advertisements. One advertisement was made for a homemade demo, like a demo tape or a demo recording now because we don't use tape anymore. But uh, it was for a demo. And the other one uh, was for Imperial Margarine. It was in, in uh, part of a class that I took. Now, the first one is for Quiznos. And uh, that's where I sound, my voice sounds a little tougher. And uh, what we also have after that is we have two Facebook postings that I found yesterday. And one is from my friend Brad Wilson. And the other one is from another friend. Uh, by the name of Stephen Fair. Brad and Stephen are both actors that I have worked with. Okay? Very talented, both of them. Great guys. And they remain friends uh, through the magic of Facebook. I know that sounds corny, but it's true. Through the magic of Facebook, I've been keeping in touch with these guys, which is good. And the first recording is by Brad, it's uh, about his adventure on one of the trains uh, to someone. The other recording is from Stephen. That's the second one. And he uh, is basically venting. It's sort, of, it's sort of a rant as to how bad things are going. And of course, unfortunately, it does have to do a little with politics or even a lot with politics and racism. Uh, Brad in the first recording is dealing with a confrontation or a possible confrontation that, uh, did not become physical, which is good. Okay. First of all, let's listen 
to uh, an ad for Quiznos, and I'll be right back. The new Angus Double Steak and Cheese Sandwich is now on the menu, but only at Quiznos. Treat your taste buds to a double portion of slow-roasted Black Angus Steak, topped with mozzarella and cheddar cheese, sautéed onions, mild peppercorn sauce, then toasted to perfection. It's double the steak, twice the cheese, all from just $7.39 for a small, but only at Quiznos. Quiznos. Yeah, you know, I, I don't see Quiznos anymore, and I don't know if they're even around. Well, maybe they are. Anyway, that was a Quiznos ad that I put on my very first, well, not first, but I put on a demo tape, a collection of things. Okay. So now what we're getting into is what I had talked about uh, with my friends uh, Brad and Stephen. This these, excuse me, uh, both of these are taken from Facebook. Now, I, I want to stress these aren't about the far right and the far left. That's not what this is. Please don't think that I would stoop to that and say, see, one is better than the other. No, it's not that. It's, it's a, a contrasting bit of how people deal with things. You understand that. Uh, two contrasting things, both, uh, excuse me, Brad is first and Stephen Fair is second. I think you will very much like this. A Facebook posting by Brad Wilson. I'm about to describe a confrontation I had with an African-American man on the northbound one train more than 10 years ago. I share the story to compare and contrast what happened between Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper in Central Park, which has been documented in recent articles and video. You can look them up for yourselves. On the day I'm describing, I entered the last car at the back of the one train on the 59th Street northbound platform. There weren't many seats, so... I leaned back against the door, prepared to stand for a while. Shortly after I got in the car, I heard loud ranting from the other end and realized that someone was upset and very vocal about it. As the person approached more closely, I could see it was an African-American man and he was mad at the world. As I recall, I wasn't having a very good day and I didn't appreciate having to deal with what I perceive to be someone else's misplaced anger. So I gave him the look. Within seconds, he was up in my face, calling me every name in the book and making copious references to my skin color. I'm not a big guy, but I was bigger than him, and my first inclination was to not back down, and so I stared him directly in the eye. Suffice to say, this did not diffuse the situation. As things got more and more intense, I began to feel that physical confrontation was inevitable, and so I tried to take stock of my surroundings, from available space to objects and people. I didn't see this ending well. I was scared, 
which caused me to continue to not speak. After what seemed like an eternity, with the man not appearing to get a rise out of me, he suddenly did something that caught me off guard. He backed a step or two away and extended his hand to me. He looked me in the eye as if he was daring me to shake it. I was nonplussed. I thought to myself, what is this guy thinking? What does he want? At first, I was thinking about that moment in time, but in the seconds that follow, I begin to think about that more generally. What's important to this guy? Why is he angry at me? And what is going on in his head that causes him to think of me as the enemy? Luckily, I believe I hit on the truth. He wanted respect. He wanted me to treat him as an equal. Besides him acting in a way that I perceived to be a jerk, I didn't really know him at all. I didn't know how he got to this point in the day, feeling the way he did. But I at least knew respect was important to him. I swallowed my pride, extended my hand, and saw his face go from angry to shocked to satisfied. He smiled at me. I don't know if he felt kinship, felt like he had beaten me or what. All I know is he was satisfied. I tell you a story not to put myself up as an example, because this was all accidental and I could have just easily gotten punched in the face. But to make this one point, in most situations, if you take the time to consider the other person's position and make it your goal to determine what they want, you are more likely to come to a better understanding of them as an individual. We are too quick as a society to judge people based on ridiculous considerations such as skin color, language, or religion. Easy for me to say, because I'm a white guy. But I hope the day comes where we all can give every person that we meet for the first time the benefit of the doubt. Let them prove to us who they are, good or bad, and wait to pass judgment until that is clear. A Facebook Posting by Stephen Fear I have a friend who was in a car accident, not her fault. She wrote in a post today that, to date, her medical costs have exceeded $2 million. $58,000 of her own money for those costs have come from her retirement funds, medical savings accounts, and vacation day payouts from her job prior to the accident. Other funds donated by family, friends, and strangers have been spent as well. I have another friend whose daughter has diabetes, whose husband has very good insurance. And even with that, they spend a minimum of $15,000 a year just on medications and medical costs. They are barely hanging on financially. I've had numerous friends and family members who have had GoFundMe accounts created for them because they can't afford the costs associated with medical costs for the various health misfortunes that befall them. I have two friends who have gone bankrupt and lost their home due to mounting medical costs. And then we see what happens in this when so many don't even make enough money to live week to week that a little more than 
two months of unemployment completely wipes them out financially. And then more stories of black people being murdered and hearing more ignorant white people continue to justify those murders. The racial injustice in this country is just staggering. And if you don't recognize that it is, maybe your privilege is blinding you. We're now over the 100,000 mark in coronavirus deaths in this country. And still, we have people minimizing or excusing the disease and this administration's response to it. Some of the same people who support a private business's right to not make a cake for a gay couple are the same people decrying another private business's right to make them wear a mask. Some of the same people who passionately fight for the right of life for an unborn fetus are the same people who look the other way when innocent children are killed in school shootings, when black people are murdered while jogging or relaxing in their own homes, when families and children are locked in cages or separated from each other. Some of the same people who criticize sports players for taking knees minimize the deaths of those the sports players are trying to draw attention to. White protesters with guns are humored, while black protesters are met with rubber bullets and tear gas. Truth is murky. Media outlets who attempt to report the truth are met with scorn and disbelief. Division is rampant, and no one, including me at times, can see the other side's point of view. We can't even have a debate or coherent argument without name-calling, personal attacks, and deflection. Compromise is a dirty word, and our government remains broken and bought. And people keep making excuses for one of the most self-centered, repugnant presidents in American history. I know my political bias is showing. It's fine. I don't care anymore. Like my opinion, don't like it, whatever. Believe what you want. I'm beyond listening to the defenses anymore. And then, the way we treat each other, not all of us, there are still so many good people in the world, tons of them, but there are also a lot of really self-centered a-holes, pardon my French, and a lot of rude people in all camps, and I'm weary of it. I really am. Is this really the world we want to live in? <sighs> I guess some of us do. Sorry this post feels so angry, but I am. I'm just so tired of it all. Okay, now we got, what we have next is an ad for Imperial Margarine. Now, this was a script that I picked for a class. It wasn't really a class. It was an evening of, of auditioning for a handful of agents. And I just said class because that's a shorter thing to say. Uh, but it was a handful of agents for voice actors. And first of all, you know, I had to, of course, wait for a while. And my name got pulled up and I had to go in the room and, and read, or not read, but, well, yeah, read in the, in the voice booth for these agents, right? This booth, this recording booth, 
and I, I should I, I do have to point out first, these booths are usually small, but this was ridiculous. This was like a coffin. It was so small. I could barely fit inside this thing. And of course, the mic was it was too far, and I didn't have time to mess with it. You shouldn't do that anyway. But uh, anyway, I, I th- they had me do it twice, and they were just so impressed. In fact, I th- the second time I did it, I think they applauded. But anyway, that's the last I heard of these people. That's how difficult things are in this city, in this in this town. Very very hard. Anyway. That was my audition with Imperial Margarine. Hope you like it. New Light Blend Imperial Margarine. The lighter than lightly, delightfully lively, decidedly brightly new spread. It tastes fresh and delicate and delicious and the lovely. New Light Blend Imperial. The lighter than lightly, delightfully lively, decidedly brightly new spread. Now, the book I have for today's episode is called For Love of Daniel. It's by the author that I mentioned before on one of the other episodes, John Isaac Jones. John Isaac Jones, I believe, lives in Florida, like I said before also. He is a writer with varied experience in newspapers, and one in particular, I think, the National Enquirer. Now, does that show in his writing? I don't think so. Uh, He's not what you would call a writer of page turners. Uh, He's simplistic in his writing. He's not, that's not saying he's bad, but uh, this book, this particular book that we're talking about today for love of Daniel is about Uh, Some people that live deep in the South, I think it's either Alabama or Mississippi. And uh, the guy's name is Jack. He, you know, needs an eye patch. Uh, He works uh, driving a forklift, stacking old tires. You know, these are guys, people that live in the sticks. He has a neighbor named Francis, um, rather plain looking who, of course, has always had a crush on Jack, but Jack just isn't interested in marriage. And one day, it's raining. Jack goes outside to go leave for work, and he sees this woman uh, laying on his porch, soaking wet from the rain, and it turns out she's pregnant. Her uh, husband or boyfriend threw her out of the car, and she was about to give birth. So Jack and Francis were sort of the go-betweens. They helped her to give birth uh, to this uh, for this woman. Uh, I think her name was Suzanne. Not a nice person uh, who doesn't want the kid and basically wants to leave. And it starts at... Chapter four, uh, where she has given birth several days ago and is getting very restless. Here it is John Isaac Jones's book, For Love of Daniel. 
A week passed. All that time, Suzanne was becoming more and more restless. In the mornings, decked out in blue jeans and tennis shoes, she would walk the two miles to the Burma Shave sign on Highway 17, then back to Jack's house. Every day, after returning from her walk, Suzanne would quiz Francis about her appearance. How do I look? Can you tell I've lost weight? You're thinner than you were. Do I look like the woman in the poster? Francis glanced at the poster, then back at Suzanne. Pretty close. You're not lying, are you? Suzanne said. Just to be agreeable? Why would I lie about it? One morning, Francis came early to check on the child. Then, satisfied everything was okay, she returned to her house. That afternoon, she heard the baby crying. Instantly, she went back across the highway. When Francis entered the house, the baby was still wailing and Suzanne was on the floor doing sit-ups. Don't you hear that baby? Francis asked. Yeah, I hear it, but I don't know what to do. I don't know nothing about babies. Francis went to the child. Moments later, the baby was quiet again. What was wrong? Suzanne asked. A diaper pin was sticking in it. I would never know to check for something like that. Francis studied her for a moment. Don't you have any feelings for this baby? Yeah, I have feelings for it. I wouldn't want to see anything happen to it, but I can't honestly say I love it. I don't need it. I've got too many other things in my life. Francis studied her for a moment. How did you grow up? She asked. What kind of parents did you have? My parents were divorced when I was three, and I was raised by my father and my stepmother. My daddy owned a hotel on Atlanta's east side, and he ran women. My daddy abused me and treated me like the women he ran. To my daddy, all women were split tails, me included. That's why I ran away from home when I was 15. Sounds like you didn't have much of a childhood. Is that why you're so cold-hearted? Suzanne stopped at the word. Cold-hearted? Is that what I am? She peered thoughtfully at Francis. Yeah, I guess you could say I'm cold-hearted. That's how you become when you're raised like I was. You get hard or you don't survive. That's one thing I learned from my daddy. He used to say, if you don't take care of number one, nobody else will. He said that's the only way to make it in this world. Yeah. I'm cold-hearted because I have had to survive. Francis didn't reply. And that's what's going to make me a star in Hollywood. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make it. They say that all a pretty girl has to do is give it up, and those producers will make a big star out of you. You've already given it up a few times. Yeah, Suzanne replied. I guess you could say that. I like to enjoy myself. I'm a natural woman. 
Francis studied her for a long moment. You're a Jezebel. Instantly, livid anger flashed across Suzanne's face. A Jezebel? You calling me a whore? That's easy for you to say. Look at me. I can get a man. You can't. Instantly, she was in Francis's face. Did you hear what I said? I'm not like you. My hole is not dry. I can get a man. Itching for a fight. She grabbed Francis's arm. Are you listening to me? Instantly, Francis slapped her hand away. I heard what you said. Suzanne, fire in her eyes, wasn't finished. You think because I'm staying here with y'all, you can call me names and insult me? I know what you holier-than-thou Christian types are all about. You go judging people with your Bible stories. Hypocrites. That's what you are. All of you are just a bunch of hypocrites. Do you hear me? When Francis didn't respond right away, Suzanne grew even angrier. Do you hear me? She shouted. Hypocrites, that's all you are. Francis, calmer now, backed away. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it. That's right. You shouldn't have said it. Your mouth is bigger than your brain. You got any more questions? Francis peered at her. Yeah. Why are you so mean to Jack? You mean about his eye patch and all? Yes. He's very sensitive about it. I wasn't being mean. I was just telling the truth. Some things are better left unsaid. Not for me. The truth never hurt nobody. At the end of that week, Suzanne was fit to be tied. I can't stay here any longer, she said over dinner one night. I've got to get back on the chorus line. I want to know if y'all will help me. What do you need? Jack said. First, I need to make some phone calls. I have a phone, Francis said. You can use it to make whatever calls you want. They're long distance, to Nashville and Birmingham. And I don't have any money. That's okay, Francis said. I'll be glad to help you. They ate quietly. And I need a couple new dresses. I saw some nice ones in the Sears and Roebuck catalog. Pick out the ones you want and I'll pay for them, Jack said. Thanks. Y'all been really nice to me. The following morning, Suzanne showed Jack and Francis the dresses she wanted. Francis called in the order so the dresses would arrive faster. Over the next few days, Suzanne prepared for her exodus. Every morning, she would put on jeans and tennis shoes and walk the two miles from Jack's house along the highway to the Burma Shave sign and back. At night, over the objections of Francis, she ate little or nothing and spent the days reading movie star magazines, chatting with Francis, and primping. On Friday of that week, over dinner with Jack and Francis, she announced she was back to a size six. When my new dresses get here, I'll be gone. 
the two dresses arrived in the mail the following Thursday. Since Jack didn't have a full-length mirror, Suzanne went to Frances' house to try them on. She was happy with the fit, and after trying on several pairs of shoes, she found some she felt matched the dresses. That afternoon, she made long-distance calls to Nashville and Birmingham on Frances's phone. Frances sat in the living room and listened. It's the first farm on the left after the Burmashave sign. There will be a red barn on the left side of the road with a Sea Rock City sign. You can't miss it. A pause. 10.30 tomorrow? Okay, I'll be waiting. Over dinner that night, she announced to Jack and Francis that she was leaving the following morning. We're going to need some information for the birth certificate, Jack said. What kind of information? What's your real name? Jack asked. My real name is Wanda Sue Smith from Decatur, Georgia. I was born September 9, 1918. If anybody wants to be sure of my identity, I've got a heart-shaped tattoo on my right arm. She pulled up her sleeve to show them the tattoo. That tattoo is what police call an identifying characteristic. I guess you could say it's mine. What else do you want to know? Who should we put down as the father? Jack asked. Yourself. I don't know who the real father is. Jack and Francis looked ominously at one another. Anything else? Suzanne asked. Will we ever hear from you again? Probably not. The next morning, Jack was up early and went to work. At 10.30, Frances, the baby, and Suzanne, decked out in one of her new dresses, were waiting on the front porch at Frances's home when a new Ford sedan pulled into the yard. Well, I guess this is goodbye, Suzanne said, picking up her suitcase. I want to thank you and Jack for helping me. We were happy to do it. Suzanne took a letter out of her purse. Give this to Jack. Francis took the letter. Suzanne turned to the baby. Oh, little Daniel, I wish you well in this world. These people will love you and take care of you because your mama sure can't. Especially at this time in my life. So I'm leaving you with these people, knowing that you will be safe and in good hands. Then she kissed the baby on the forehead and gave Francis an awkward hug. And I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it's by John Isaac Jones. He, of course, can be found uh, at audible.com. He has uh, many good uh, audiobooks available, so definitely check him out. And that should do it for this episode. If you enjoyed hearing from the books I read today, make sure to visit audible.com for more books and short stories that I, as well as many other voice actors, have narrated. Be sure to email me at tomreadsyourstory at yahoo.com to send in your written material for me to perform, or if you have specific questions 
about getting into the voiceover biz. As always, thanks to Anchor.fm for this wonderful chance at having a continuing podcast. I very much appreciate it. Hope you decide to come back soon. Have a great rest of your day and take care. For more information on Tom's availability for your e-learning, commercial, audiobook, or video project, visit his website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tom Reads Your Story.